Amen. Wouldn't be the same without you. Amen. Well, it is Resurrection Sunday. How many are glad that he did not stay in the tomb? Amen. He did not die, but he rose again. Amen. Some call it Easter. We call it Resurrection. And we're going to get into that. If you'd open your Bibles to the book of Matthew this morning, I want to go to the Gospels and I want to give you a good Easter morning message this morning and show you in some scriptures how powerful the cross is this morning. Amen. We've got a cross up here on the stage. I wanted a visual for you to see it. And uh, we're going to get into this. Don't forget tonight, it, it, it looks like God is going to be good to us on the weather. Uh, we're going to have a picnic at 5 o'clock across the street. You can go in by Frosty's or you can go in right over here. There's an entryway, Denia Park or Denia Park or however you say it, right over here. Uh, we're going to have uh, food. We're going to have games. We're going to have softball, basketball. Uh, and we're also going to have an Easter egg hunt for the kids. So please come back tonight. If you have plans with your family, we understand. But if you don't, I know many don't have family. This is your family here this morning. And so we want you to come back at 5 o'clock um, I know we'll probably eat a lot of lunch, so I don't, I don't care if you bring food back or not, but I'll be happy if you do, and I'm sure other people will. So bring something if you can, if you can't, come anyways, amen? Matthew chapter 27, if you've got your Bibles, look at that this morning. I want to read one of the accounts of one of the apostles, one of the disciples, who shared what happened that day, and I want to start off by saying this, church. We know we live in a world today that, and I'm going to get into this in a second, there's really only two types of people in the world. There's just two. There's not five or ten or twenty types. There's just two. Bible tells us this morning that there's one group called believers, and there's another group called unbelievers. There's the only two. We're not talking about race. We're not talking about where you're from. We're not talking about where you were born. There's just two people in this world this morning, those that believe and those that do not believe. Can you say amen? How many agree with that this morning? You're broken into one of those two places this morning. And we know that many people today uh, are not celebrating Easter because of what Jesus did. They're celebrating because it's a holiday and it's a day to go to the lake. It's a day to go to the park. It's a day to do whatever. But we're going to see in the scriptures this morning that this is a day that changed history. This is not just a day to celebrate, but this day changed history. And one of the greatest proofs, many people, even maybe you this morning, would say, how do you know? How are you sure? How can you have no doubts that, that Jesus Christ really, really is who he said he was and did what he said he did? And I've always said that you really only have to have half faith because we have no doubt this morning that Jesus Christ was on this earth. There's no doubt about that. That's historically a fact. We know that it's historically a fact that he went to the grave, that he went to the cross, I'm sorry, that he was crucified. That's a fact. Nobody can argue that. The only place we have to have faith is that he died for our sins and that he did rise from the dead. Now, there's something very powerful that happened, so powerful that it's never happened before in the history of the world. Ever. When this event took place, it changed history. What year are we in right now? 2013. 
Amen? Last year was 2012. The year before that, 2011. And you can begin to go back, all the way back to the first century. And then you go 99, 98, 97. You keep going back till you get to zero. 2,013 years ago, and it doesn't matter if it's off a year or two or five, don't even matter. To about 2,013 years ago, the world stopped. And we live in a calendar today that says B.C., before Christ, and A.D., after death. But for us believers, it's A.R., after resurrection. Can you say amen? B.C. and A.R. He has risen from the dead. He is not in the tomb. They've never found his body. They never will because it's not in the grave. They're always digging up things. They're always finding things. But they're never going to find Jesus' body because he came out. And the Bible says he's on the throne this morning. Amen. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you and me right now. And all he's praying is that you'd believe in him. All he's praying is that you'd accept him. All he's praying is that you would know how much he loves you and what he did for you so that you can have a victorious life. Amen. Matthew 27. I want to read a little bit of the account of Matthew. And as you read, as you read the word, guys, guys this, understand this morning, these were some messed up people who wrote this Bible. These weren't Bible scholars. Matthew was a tax collector. Amen. He was a tax collector. He was doing some shifty stuff when Jesus found him. And he didn't call him and say, hey, I need you to change. Get it together. Then I'm going to come back for you. And then I want you to follow me. He said, I want you to follow me. And then after he said, I'll follow you, as he began to follow him, he began to change. Jesus doesn't change you before you come to him. Jesus calls you and you say yes and then he changes you later. Amen. How many have been changed by Jesus this morning? All those testimonies up there, drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography, sexual sins, all these things, things people came out of, you have been delivered because this morning of the power of the cross. Amen. So Matthew 27, this ex-tax collector is writing what he saw after his life had been changed. And I want to start in verse 32. And go with me quickly. I'm going to read this, but I want you to see the account in Matthew chapter 27. I need to get in the right chapter myself or I'll mess this up bad. Verse 32. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. This is 2732. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink it. Then they, what, crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Before we continue, can I tell you that hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled that day. Hundreds of Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled the day Jesus Christ was born. Some people say again, how do you believe? Why do you believe? Why do you know? There's no way that you and I could predict what's going to happen next week. Let alone 700 years later, Isaiah prophesied in the book of Isaiah all these things that were going to take place 700 years. I, I promise you, you couldn't, you couldn't say something that's going to happen seven minutes from now. Except that the sun's going to, you know, continue to rise. Amen. You definitely can't know the weather. Amen. But how many understand what I'm saying? That's impossible. 
Why do we believe? Because all the things that were said about Christ came to pass. Word after word. And this even says, they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. That was in the book of Psalms. David saw that. Go on with me. 36, sitting down. They kept watch over him there. And they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers. Say two robbers. I want to make sure you remember that. Two robbers. This part right here, to me, is the greatest part of the gospel. Two robbers. Why are you glorifying robbers? I want you to see something. He says, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the left and another on the right. And those who passed by blasphemed him by wagging their heads. And listen, and saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Do you realize this morning what would have happened? If Jesus would have came down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he, he saved others, himself he cannot save. I'm so thankful Jesus was on the cross and not me. Is anybody else in here glad that you weren't on the cross? I'm just getting fleshly just reading this. Amen? You know he was, he was man. Okay, church, that's what's so important. He was God and he was man. He was God in a fleshly body, but he had the fleshly feelings. And don't think for a second that the fleshly thought didn't come into his mind. You saved others, save yourself. And he's going inside, oh, Lord, Jesus, I mean, he is Jesus. God, Father, help me. I would have said, Lord Jesus. God, help me. Inside, he wasn't showing it outside, but you know he was thinking, I could call a legion of angels right now. I could blast all these people. I could, come on, be real. We just see, oh, Jesus, he was a man. And they were mocking him, and they were mocking his father, and they were mocking everything about him. But he knew the power was not in that moment. The power was on the cross. The power was on the cross. The power was him humbling himself. The power was him staying there. The power wasn't showing his power at that moment because, see, he'd been showing power. Isn't it amazing how quickly we forget what Jesus has done for us? All these miracles they'd saw. He'd healed the blind. He'd raised the, the paralytics. He had healed lepers. He had done all these. He'd cast out demons. He'd changed people. He raised Lazarus from the dead. All these miracles they'd done, and guess what? Just like so many people today, they wanted another miracle. We haven't had enough. They wanted another miracle. If you're truly Jesus, see, they didn't understand. The world, and I'm going to get to this in a second, doesn't understand. Why Jesus did what he did, and that's what we're talking about this morning. If you're the Savior, save yourself. 43. He trusted in God. How many trust in God this morning? Let him, let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And look at this. Look at 44. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reveled him with the same thing. So he's on the cross, church, and he's between two thieves. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. 
Not only are the soldiers mocking him, but the men on each side of him are mocking him. And they're making fun of him. And then it says in 45, now the sixth hour until the ninth hour where darkness fell all over the land. Kind of like it was this morning when you got up. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani. I, don't, I might have butchered that, excuse me. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How many are thankful for the realness of Jesus? There was a moment we always see Jesus as the conqueror, but this is the moment on the cross, the power of the cross, to realize that for a time, God's presence left him. And he had to feel at that moment on the cross what we feel many times. He had to, he had to have that removed from him. And this is a moment that's so untalked about, it's so powerful because He's on the cross and, and he's able to do what he's doing because of the communion with his father. All the time in his ministry you see him. He's doing miracles, then he goes off and he prays. He's doing things for God, then he goes off and he gets strength from his father in prayer. That's why it's so important to pray. And he's doing all this, but at this moment, for the first time, church, listen, since he was born. He had been in a human body for 33 years. And for the first time since he was born, he did not feel the presence of God. And for a moment, when that presence left him for three hours, not only was he in agonizing pain, we might be able to put up with that. Not only was he left alone and felt, God, where are you? At a moment, for a moment, he probably thought, has something been changed we didn't talk about? Where are you? There has to be a reason. He said, did I miss this somewhere? What's going on? Why do I not feel the presence of my Father? God removed it from him so that everything you and I could ever go through, any emotion, any feeling, any pain, any sorrow, any despair, anything, the Bible says there's nothing that we can go through that Jesus did not feel, even no presence of God. See, even when we think that the presence of God isn't there, he's there. But at this moment, for three hours, God left him. And God turned his head away from his son. Why? Because he could not bear to see the sin. If you could see my arms, my hairs are standing up. He could not bear to see the sin of you and I. It was on his son. God hates sin. And he had to turn away. And Jesus had to bear that all by himself. And he bared all the sins you've ever done in your whole life, that I've ever done in my whole life, that we're ever going to do in our whole life. And of every person who's ever sinned since the beginning of time, he, he, he bore their sin on his body. We always think about the physical nails and the thorn in his head, or the crown of thorns in his head, and all the crazy things that happen like that, but we don't think about that. How many have ever done something wrong? I'm going to make sure. Oh, I guess nobody. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you a few more seconds. How many have ever done something wrong? Okay, I just want to make sure we're all human and alive. Did you feel guilty? How many have ever felt guilty? When you feel guilty, that one thing you did wrong weighs on you. It's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the conviction of the whole world? On your, on your shoulders. 
So we go on here and he says, why have you forsaken me, God? Some of those who stood there when they heard said, this man's calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with wine, sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit showing, showing his humanity. And behold, look at this, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened. I guarantee you there's some people here this morning that have never heard this verse right here. The graves were opened. The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. The day he died, people rose from the dead because of the power of the cross. Amen? They got up. They came out. They went through the city and began to say, I'm alive, I'm alive. I guarantee you a lot of shrieks and freaking out going on. Amen? Mama, what are you doing? Brother, amen, what are you doing? They had to have been freaking out. They don't mention that, but I guarantee you there was some screams going on. As they go and say, they didn't know what was going on either. They didn't have an answer. But they rose from the dead. And look at this last one, last verse. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly. And look what the centurion said. He had a revelation that we need. He said, surely this was the Son of God. That is what we need this morning as people. We need a revelation of who Jesus is. He's not just somebody who went to a cross. He's the Son of God. Amen? And the reason he came down, church, was for me and for you. And he loves us so much this morning. He loves us so much this morning that I guarantee you right now, if he had to, which he doesn't, thank God, if there was one person on this earth, one person, person on this earth that needed salvation and he had to come down and bear the cross again for one person he would do it but he doesn't have to because it's already finished it's already done amen he said these other words in the book of John he said it is finished amen it is finished 2013 years ago it was finished can you say amen and it is complete this morning your salvation is complete your healing is complete your deliverance is complete your joy is complete your peace is complete your happiness is complete all the healing you need in your body is complete because he stayed on that cross amen now go quickly to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and I want to show you what I said in the beginning of how this world is split down the middle we know this morning that the United States is split down the middle, Democrat and Republican. But I'm not going to get into politics, I promise. Just giving you an example. The world is split. There's believers and there's unbelievers. Amen? Book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1. You, only, you and only you know this morning of which one you are, a believer or an unbeliever. I can tell you this morning for myself, I believe. I'm a believer. 
I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. And I'm not ashamed, as Paul said in Romans 1, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So Romans chapter 1. Give me a big amen if you're there. Just joking. Just making sure you're there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Some of y'all going. It's close. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Watch what Paul says. Right before we read this, how many know Paul? Not Paul Platt, not Paul Garza. Amen. The Apostle Paul. Amen. He was a wicked man. There's some people in here this morning that maybe don't yet quite understand how awesome God is. But you can this morning. Don't quite understand maybe how graceful God is, how merciful he is, and how much he loves you and wants you to leave the life you're living to get a new one. Amen. Amen. Saul, Paul used to be called Saul, and he had a conversion experience. You don't need a religion experience this morning. You don't need a story told you to make you feel good. You need a conversion experience. We were out outreaching yesterday, and I was telling some of the people, the best thing you can do when you hand somebody a card is that they understand and realize that you love Jesus and he has changed your life. It doesn't matter if you say the right words. It doesn't matter if you say the right things. It doesn't matter if you come off with the right thing. It's that they see that I believe in what I'm saying. How many want people to see that in your life? That people would know that what I believe is the truth. And, I, and I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not doing this because somebody else is doing it. I'm not doing it because someone else is telling me to do it. I'm doing this because Jesus Christ has changed my life. And I wouldn't trade my salvation for all the money, all the fame, all the things this world has to offer. The Bible says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? I'm thankful that Jesus died for me. And I'm thankful that 20 years ago on October 4th, I had a conversion experience. And Jesus changed my life. Amen. And the power of the cross came in and made me a new creation. Amen. And if this morning, if you haven't been changed, you can. But Paul has this experience. And I've said this before. We've got some new people in here this morning. You can honestly really relate Paul that was Saul very similarly today to a Osama bin Laden. He was a Christian killer. He hated Christians. He hated people who believed in Jesus. And this is after the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Paul is after the Christians. And he is dragging them to jail. He's dragging them to be beaten. And right now, and we're not looking at this in the scriptures, but I want you to know who's writing this. He has an experience. He's riding his horse he falls off his horse and when he sees this light, bright light like this, like I'm looking at this. If you've ever been up on this stage, you can't see anything, especially when you do what I just did. That was really dumb because now I'm seeing a blur. I don't know, how, I don't know if it's going to come back. Wow. That's what happened to him. You should just come up here real quick. We just make a little line. He saw Jesus through the light. He fell off his horse. And Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? He didn't know who Jesus was. And he had a conversion experience. And when he got up off that ground and he went to a house blind, he was blind, took his sight away. Then Ananias was sent to him and he preached the gospel to him. He got saved. He put his faith in Jesus Christ. And then he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's God's grace. He didn't call one of those theologians from the temple. He called a sinner. 
Amen? He called someone who hated Christians. You say, well, yeah, but he knew, the, he knew the Bible. He was a Pharisee. He, yeah, but he was religious. And he hated the gospel. Amen? And he turned it around. And now look at this, 1 Corinthians 1. I want you to see this message right here. If you don't see anything else today, he said these words, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see two people there. I'm going to say it again. You've got to get this when you walk out these doors today. There's only two people in the world today. There's those who do not believe and are perishing. That means that they are right now on a road to destruction. In church, it doesn't matter about all the new false religions that have come about. Let me tell you something this morning. I'm going to end on a good note, but there is a way that leads to destruction. And Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. And those who are perishing are going to a place of eternal damnation, not because Jesus wanted them to send them there, but because they rejected the cross. Can, are you with me this morning? You either believe in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and you are saved, or you reject what Jesus did on the cross and you're perishing. So this morning, you are either on the road to he heaven or you are on the road to hell. But I got news for you, you're on the road to eternal life. Hello? You're on the road to eternal life. I don't want to live forever. Too bad. No one's given you the choice. We are going to live forever. We are immortal. Sounds weird. When this body passes away, our soul lives forever. What did Jesus say on the cross right there in the scriptures we read? He said he gave up his what? Spirit. His body was still on the cross. But his spirit left. When you die, your body dies, but your spirit goes on. Amen? And you're going to have a new body. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a body in heaven that's going to be rejoicing. Amen? I'm not going to have a body that's going to go down to hell. Because I'm not rejecting the cross this morning. I'm believing in the cross this morning. How many believers are there this morning in the cross of Jesus Christ? Amen? He says it's foolishness. What could, why a cross? What could that do? Man, did you know a lot of people have been crucified on a cross? Lots. But it was the substitution that Jesus Christ took. That he took our place on that cross. Now those, those robbers were mocking him. Amen? They were mocking and making fun of him. And we saw there that as he died, the veil was torn. The veil was what separated us from God. Amen? We couldn't, in the, old, in the Old Testament, that only the priests could go into the presence of God. But today, we're all in the presence of God. Amen? We're all in the presence of God. Because that veil was torn from top to bottom. Amen? And nobody tore it but God. And he said, now anybody can come into my presence if I see the blood. The blood of what? The blood of Jesus. From where? The cross. Amen? It's all about the cross. Listen, if somebody's talking to you about the Lord and they're going off of the cross, if they're going away from the cross, if they're going away from Jesus Christ and him crucified, don't listen to them. Say, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to talk to you later or talk to you never. Amen? We're not talking anymore. Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Do you get that this morning? It's very important. You might be here this morning and say, man, I don't get this whole thing. I read the book of, uh, of Nehemiah, and I just don't get it. I read the book of S. I don't get you. Don't worry about those things. Know this morning, Jesus Christ and him crucified and him risen from the dead. Put your faith in that and everything else is going to work out all right. Amen. Don't lose your salvation over theology. Get that right. That Jesus Christ came and died for your sins. Now, I'm going to close up this morning with a thought. A lot of times when we realize I need Jesus. Because that's what you come to the realization, I need Jesus. I need a Savior. We've got people in here this morning that were ex-alcoholics and ex-drug addicts. AA and NA will teach you, you cannot be delivered from drugs and alcohol until you admit that you are an alcoholic. I am an alcoholic. I am a drug addict. I am, and they admit it. And once they admit it, then they can begin to get healed in that program. Okay, according to what they teach. But... You cannot be saved until you admit that you are a sinner. You cannot be saved until you admit you need a Savior. There's a lot of people in this world today that don't admit it. They think they're good. And a lot of times we can get super religious when we get saved, even if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And we can begin to come to church and we can say, man, I'm not, I'm not smoking. Whoa, it's got a hole in it. I'm not smoking weed anymore. I'm not snorting cocaine. I threw the bottles away. I'm not looking at that porno. I'm not drinking the beer. I'm not doing those things anymore. And we can begin to say, I got the big things out the way. But I want to tell you something this morning. There's a lot of little things that come in that are just as bad. Amen? Lots of bad things. Little things that will eat up that vine selfishness. So you might say, I don't, I don't do drugs, and I don't smoke, and I don't drink, and I don't run with those who do, but you're selfish. We're selfish. Amen? But thank God, Jesus nailed it to the cross. It's there. Selfishness. Amen? I'm not going to put all these up there, but here's another one. Oh, I'm going to save that for later. Greed. Amen? Come on, we're in here on our Sunday best on Easter. We're thinking, oh, I, I'm good. I got all the big things out the way. I ain't smoked for a while. I haven't drank for a while. But is this spirit in you? Even this. Jesus took it on the cross. Amen? Go to Colossians real quick, and I'll show you how he did that. Colossians chapter 3. 2, sorry. This is a powerful verse. Colossians chapter 2. While you're getting there, I know nobody deals with this. Nobody deals with that. Not at all. Amen? Lust. And let me tell you something. You don't have to just lust after a man or a woman. You can lust after a car. You can lust after someone's house. That could go into the thing of coveting. But I now mean, see some people, you know, I could even joke around. I, I, I could sometimes have this spirit over... Nice looking vehicle. Right? I'm just, you know, there's little things we have to deal with. Jesus said, I got that on the cross. Why am I nailing it on there? Look what he says in the Bible. Colossians chapter 2. 13, this is you. And you being dead in your trespasses. Talk about B.C. That was you. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, You, verse 13, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, listen, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. How many? All of your trespasses. And look what he says. This is powerful. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, and look what it says. Having nailed it to the cross. He nailed all those things to the cross. I know no one's ever done that before. I know no one ever does this. Definitely not the white ones. Lies. See, what we try to do sometimes is even when we are saved, we start, think, start trying to think we're good. And, I, and I've earned my salvation. I'm worthy of it. No one ever has this problem. Never. I know all these things I'm putting up here, we don't have those problems. But Jesus says he's nailed it to the cross. And then verse 15, look at how powerful this is. He has disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. See, Colossians tells us while he was on the cross, and they were mocking him and telling him, why don't you come down? Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you do? And they're mocking him. He is disarming the principalities. He's making a public spectacle of them on his own body, on the cross. Amen? If he comes down from that cross, church, we're done. He had to finish the work. And, and there's a really easy equation for those that are very new in the Lord this morning, those that don't know a lot about the Bible, and those are the people who are trying to, trying to reach people like that all the time, get people that don't know. You know what? There's an easy equation. I wasn't good at math. Adam sinned. We all fell. Adam sinned. We all fell. Jesus came and died. We're all redeemed. One fell. Cursed us all. One came and became the curse for us. And all you have to do this morning is put your faith in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is put your faith in what he did on the cross. Amen? There was a man named Smith Wigglesworth that I read about a lot. Powerful man of God. He's been dead 50 or 60 years maybe. They say somewhere between, he raised somewhere between 14, and I've seen lots of different numbers, but one would be enough for me. He raised between 14 and 27 people from the dead. And one time he walked in, and they would call him, of course, you know, come pray for people. And this is just 100 years ago, 50 years ago, so people that say that that power of, the, of God died with the apostles are wrong. We believe it's power. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you, can stay, you can stay not believing that if you want. 
But next time you get sick, you might want to believe it. That Jesus Christ can still heal today. And they called this man in, and Smith Wigglesworth got there to this place, and the body was already dead. I mean, he'd been there, it was in the casket, they were having the funeral, and he just walked in and would, had his hands like this. I heard the, the account of this. And the, and the guy had invited him, and he was kind of like, the other guy was kind of like, I really didn't want him to do anything. You know, because I, I, just, I just thought, man, the guy's dead, let's just leave him alone, you know? And so Smith Wigglesworth walks in, and he walked right past everybody, and he goes in there with the body, and he shuts the door behind him, and there's one of those glass doors, right? So the guy that invited him is watching. And he's, he's actually even says, I was praying that he wouldn't do anything because he knew this guy rose, raised people from the dead in the name of Jesus. This guy goes over to the body. Everybody else is out. He grabs the body, pulls him out the casket, puts him in the corner, and pushes him up against the wall, and prays in Jesus' name, come alive. And he lets go, and the body goes right to the ground. The guy's watching. He picks him up again, puts him against the wall in the corner, and says, in Jesus' name, I command you to come alive right now. And he lets go, and fell to the ground again. He picked him up four times. And the fourth time, he slammed him into the wall. Now people are watching. And he said, in the name of Jesus. See, there's power in the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus, I commend you to come back to life. His eyes opened. And that man walked out of his own funeral. Amen. They didn't bury him. That's just one account. Walked out of his own funeral. Miracle after miracle this man did, and I still believe God can do that today. Amen? He, he talked another time of, of, a, of a boy he was visiting that since birth had not been able to get out of bed. 14 years. And this boy had skinny legs, and his body was, was you know, swollen because he hadn't, hadn't moved, and they knew he was coming, so the father got him dressed and propped him up in a chair. He'd never walked. Smith Wigglesworth comes in. This guy was saved, though. This young boy was saved. He believed in Jesus Christ. And Smith Wigglesworth said, what do you want me to do for you in the name of Jesus? And that young boy did not say, I want to be healed. He said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't ask for his healing. He said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Smith Wigglesworth prayed for him, and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he began to pray in tongues and pray in the Spirit, and, and he fell out the chair. Fell out. Oh, he slid off the chair. So Smith Wigglesworth said, he, he grabbed his father and he said, let's stand him up. And he began to pray for him. And he said, he began to look at his legs. And he, nothing was happening. Nothing was happening because he was looking at his legs. Church, too many times, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And we put our eyes on the situation. And he, and he said, nothing was happening. He said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And the Lord spoke to him and said, get your eyes back on me. Amen. See, we got to keep our eyes on the cross. Amen. we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Not on the world, not on what's going on, on Jesus Christ and him crucified and the work he did on that cross. He said, I put my eyes back on Jesus. And that boy got up and ran to the park and ran back. 
and never was stuck in that bed again. Come on, church. That's real live testimony. Amen. Jesus Christ, when he died, he died for everything. And one of the biggest ones he died for was this. Because if you think you've got it right on everything else, there's one we really struggle with. As Isaiah 64, 6 says, our righteousness, musicians, you can come, is like filthy rags. I don't have a problem with greed, jealousy, lust. I had anger somewhere. It ran away. I don't have a problem with those things. Then you have a problem. Because the Bible says your righteousness, you being good in your power, is like filthy rags. There's nothing you can do to earn God's mercy. Nothing. You can have, how many have ever had a good, how many have ever had a bad day? Okay, we've had lots of those. How many have ever had a good day? Where it just was good and you felt like, man, I was good today. I don't feel like I had a bad thought. I don't feel like, I'm sure you've had a day like that that felt pretty good. Even on your best day, in God's eyes, you're still a sinner without the cross. Even on your best day, he says, my righteousness is like filthy rags. But he nailed it to the cross. How many are still here? How many are thankful for the cross? I'm going to finish with this verse. You can write it down. Don't go to it for time. 1 Corinthians 15. See, this is the key. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a resurrection without death. Amen? You can't have a death without a resurrection. Many people have died. What sets us apart this morning in the world is that we believe Jesus not only died, because lots of people die for a cause. Lots of people die. Right now, over in the Middle East, people are walking in with suicide bombs and dying for a cause every day. But they did not take my sins on them. And even if they died for a cause, because listen, church, Peter, John, James, John the Baptist, they all died for their faith. Some of you might not know this this morning. Some of you might. Peter got crucified just like Jesus. They crucified Peter. Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. They crucified him. Although he said, I want you to crucify me upside down. Because I'm not worthy to die like Jesus. How many would like to have faith like that? They all died, but their deaths did not mean anything for my sin this morning. Because they all stayed dead. Jesus resurrected. He said, I'm going to rise again. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said that. He backed his words up. They've been searching for his body forever. Paul said these words, and I want you to listen to this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, listen, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. Yes, we are found 
as false witnesses of God. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still, listen, you are still, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, you are still in your sins. Then all those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, he says, we are of the men to be most pitied. If Jesus did not rise this morning from the dead, if he did not conquer death, what we're doing right now should be laughed at. And it is by the world. For those who do not believe in the cross, it is foolishness. But the next verse says, but Christ is risen from the dead. And the Bible says, if he rose, so will we. If he conquered death, so will we. And when we die, we don't have to be afraid. And the reason I'm telling you this morning that there's only two types of people is because Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die. And then comes judgment. Amen? So this morning, you're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. And if you're an unbeliever this morning, I want to introduce you to Jesus so you can become a believer so that all your sins can be wiped away. Amen. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, please.